I'm in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. You ain't cooking up. We cooking up, chopping up. D King. Lay down. Trap side, rap side, Don and the King. Gonna do it. We gonna do it. Chop it up. Good evening, good evening, peace, peace, and welcome back to Chopping It Up with the Conduit Season 3. This is episode number 6, and today's special guest is sound engineer, sound editor, and composer, Helen from Montreal, to producer Nicholas Craven. First, I would like to thank my team, executive producer Mika Sunga, you are the best, graphics, promo, visuals, Mad Urgency Myron, and on video, my brother Adam7x a.k.a. Mecca Godzilla. A huge thank you to our family of sponsors, Grown Fresh NYC, who is our official sponsor, of course. Um, street Fatigues, of course. Uh, today, you see I'm rocking Street Fatigues. So if you can, you know, hit up their website or hit up their IG, streetfatigues.com. Also, say what's up to So What's the Scenario and House of Customs MD, and that's House of Customs with a K, the best in refabrication and restoration. You can find them at the on our website on choppingituppodcast.com. And of course, <laughs> without further ado, Nicholas has already joined in, so I'm about to bring him in, y'all. All right, let's do it. All right, Canadian hip-hop producer from Montreal, Quebec. He has worked with some of your favorites from Sheik Looch to Styles P, Planet Asia, Griselda Records to Rock Marciano, of course, Ransom, Makami, Plus new work coming 924 via Westside Gun, HW8. Please welcome super producer, Mr. Nicholas Craven. All right, sir. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday evening from uh, good old Montreal, uh, Canada. Oh, no doubt, man. No That's doubt. Good. All right. So uh, if it's okay, I want to go ahead and um, start off because, um, you know, most of the time my interviews, we like cut straight to the point, you know what I mean? And and we like to cover the stuff. We're not really into the, you know, the uh, the clickbait. You feel what I'm saying? We want to get to the essence so the people know who you are and what you have been offering to our culture as of late. But um, you originally didn't, you know, take to hip hop in the beginning. Right. Your origins came from uh, punk rock and your love for Jimi Hendrix, I assume, correct? Correct. All right. So what was the change for you? Basically, when I was coming out of elementary school, going to like junior high school, uh, my guitar teacher left the city. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, me and my friend were like hanging out in his backyard and his big brother was like smoking joints with his friends and shit. And when they went to, into the basement, we roach clip, smoked the roach clip and uh, <laughs> our first little buzz. And I, I heard making music in the bedroom and there was like flutes and instruments and all this type of shit. And like, I would play piano, I play guitar, but uh, I, like, I never heard anybody with like flutes and drums and all this type of stuff, like making music, all those instruments from their basement. Right. Like, I get that shit. Like, I didn't know you could play these instruments. And he said, oh no, these are from records. These are like from samples. These are all like me chopping pieces from all these records that nobody listens to from like old Quebec records and old like random like school uh, like educational like like albums and stuff and just chopping it up into hip-hop beats and that was kind of the time that uh my friends that would do like music with me they started getting into like shit like that that started like you know taking over all of canada too and uh right i started because i i wasn't at, like my my love was always classic rock right blues and stuff like that so like okay. I listened to like B.B. King and Pink Floyd and all that type of stuff, right? Okay, the classics. Yeah, that was really like, even as a young kid, like that was, I didn't really like the new music that was coming out, right? Like, I liked a couple Green Day albums and shit like that. But like, apart from that, like I was really a like old head from Jump. Like I always loved the sound of the 70s. Okay, that's, that's, I, I, I don't want to cut you off because that's something I want people to understand that. You know, most people, of course, in your age, in our age difference is definitely a gap. But I noticed that you come from an old soul. And people need to understand that it always didn't just start off with hip hop. Like for people in my age range, you know, I grew up, you know, the things that were coming on the radio was, you know, Phil Collins or Journey or Duran Duran. 
right. you understand what I'm saying? Or the police with Sting, so on and so forth. So, you know, those were my original, you know, I guess you could say liking some music before I, I discovered hip hop myself. So I exactly know where you're coming from, but yeah, go ahead, continue on. Right, I was about to say like, that was my major love, really. Like that's where my heart resided when it came to music. Mm -hmm. But I like when I heard Changes by Tupac when I was a kid, I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. Heard, uh, you know, Eminem, I thought, I loved also Ludacris. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the only hip hop artists I liked, like Roll Out, Saturday Night, those Okay. That was my, so the first real transition I'd made into like starting to just focus on hip hop was when I heard uh, the documentary by The Game. Oh, okay, all right. That was really the tape. When I started hearing that, I started hearing mixtape joints of him with like Easy E verses and stuff like that. It started getting into more like NWA because, you know, I had, I basically knew about, you know, Dr. Dre, you know, and all of that stuff, but I didn't know all that link. That's what like kind of like underneath to like kind of fuck with the documentary because it had Right. From there, the song I really hooked on was uh, Hate It or Love It. Mm, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the big ones. Piece right. of Plum. Yo, for real. That joint, man. Yo, that, that's the joint that made me want to start making beats. Like, okay. I was the hip hop, but like, the more I listened to that joint, because like the day that we smoked the Roach clip and when I heard my homie's big brother making beats, shout out to Vincent, um, he taught me how to make beats a few years later. Okay. And like I fucked with it, but I didn't really, I kind of left it alone for a few months. But it's hated to love it that made me think, oh, maybe if I approach it this way, with the with soul sample and everything. And that was when I was about 14, so like 2006. Right. Okay. So there on, it's been uh, nonstop, no looking back. All right. So at the age of 13, you say you were introduced to the beat making. And as we are all witnesses, now, um, you have transformed into one of hip hop's most sought after. Did you have aspirations while growing into this field of hip hop? Yeah, for sure. I never really, I, I always tell people, I can only see three reasons people make art. All right, let's talk it, about it. It's for the love of the art, mm -hmm. for money, or mm -hmm. for And you can do all three, you can do just one of the three, whatever, but me, I, Kind of always just wanted to make the best music possible right when i started making music, people liked it and people started you know wanting to work with me because of the sound i was doing and stuff and i started getting a bit more accolades and love i kind of wanted i wanted the people that taught me and the people that i was influenced by to become fans of me that like what i was doing i was just always whenever i would make i would go listen to a gangstar song then mm. I would, and be like, oh no, this doesn't cut it. It doesn't make the cut. And now that was always just the drive. It was like, it was basically just a hobby for years and years. I won't even really tell my friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like probably the first, probably I didn't really even start telling my friends I made beats till I was like 18. You were, you were, you were, you were mastering your craft. Exactly, exactly. And I was working, that's around the time I started like recording some of my friends, making little songs here and there with them. But yeah, it was always just, like it was always a labor of love, mm. it was always a labor of love. And then I started, you know, seeing that I can make some money with it. So then I was like, all right, well, the I'm always gonna make this even if I don't make a dime. But since right. I'm, I can make a bit of money, let me, let's see what I can do with it. And then I understood that if you wanna make the most of those two elements, you have to have a little bit of fame. People Indeed. have to know a little bit who you are. So I know I never wanted to have my face a billboard or be like the front man or be like the spokesperson for like hip hop or anything. But right. I just wanted to be recognized by the hip hop community I admire and that I respect and that I like, you know, want to be a part of. As long as I'm known in that field, that was all I needed, I thought. Well, um, I, I know you're definitely a, a part of it. If anything, man, you are, you have woven you know, a certain fabric into in, into this culture that, you know, a, a, a lot of us are, are loving right now and that we are experiencing. Um, you know, I imagine, you know, Montreal is a beautiful city, but when I listen to your music, man, or the music you have composed, it gives me a gritty NYC feel. 
Where do you draw your inspirations from to provide such a gritty soundscape? I just like that was that too was just like just like you said it's not a and I'm not like I moved to Montreal ten years ago. Okay. I'm originally from like two hours out of town. Okay. Yeah, and like so it's even less urban, less uh, like you know like city. more countryside. Exactly. Yes. So, me, I just followed my heart through the. It wasn't really like an experience. It was more of just like, what does my ear want to do? So, I, like I said, I started with Hate It or Love It, so that laid the groundwork for like samples. Because mm -hmm. when Vincent taught me to make beats, he taught me, he showed me MF Doom, mm. uh, Raekwon, the Vatican mixtape volume two, The Da Vinci Code. Okay. And he showed me uh, The Future Is Now by Nonfiction. Oh wow! So yeah, you hit some top three off the off the bat. See, so that's how he started me off, and I only knew commercial hip hop before that. So when he showed me that, that made me like, oh shit! There's all of this stuff that I had no idea existed that uses the same kind of rhythms and melody structures, but you know, it's actually way artistic. You mm -hmm. know, super super like all about just giving you the best that the artist can give you. Exactly. So I had a bit of that. I had already a love for the underground stuff, like the black helicopter, and mix that with like the hate it or love it, and then I go down the hip hop wormhole and start like discovering all these records that I never heard of. I was mm. too old when they came out. Right. I think the beat that really made me want to do the grimy sound, the hardcore sound, was New York State of Mind. Yeah. When I heard so so it it seems that Premier has a lot of influence major influence on a lot of you young producers that are coming up now. So I'm not surprised when you name New York State of Mind. And of course, we know Primo was the one behind that that amazing beat. Favorite hip hop song? Yes. Favorite hip hop song. And that's like, yeah, like Premier, like, I, uh, I never, like, I, I remember how he would only have a sample, a kick, hi-hat, snare, bass line. That's it. No crashes, no laps, no, uh, you know, like, not even an open hi-hat or a shaker. Like, Premier had this formula. Right. We can make the best hip-hop song every time with only these elements. Minimalist. The minimalism. And I, that's why, you know, when I discovered rock, not to, like, jump ahead, but that's what even, it, like, made me admire what he was doing even more because that was, like, a step further into minimalism. No, well, we're going to definitely talk about that since you already fam. You know, I had to get you on there. I was super surprised, you know, when I was building with our brother Jazz, you ain't gang. Shout to the God Jazz, he's in the chat. You know, when he said that you came aboard Pimpire, you know, for, uh, for uh, you know, production. And that literally just blew my mind away. So we definitely got, you know, in, in my opinion, we already got a, a young legend on, on the rise within our, within our household. And that's a beautiful thing. Thanks. But, um... Shut I understand. What's the, I understand that uh, you know Montreal has a vibrant record store culture, but also you know a vibrant you know graffiti scene. Um, and I notice you know when you talk about sampling and with your music, I, I need to ask you this question: um, Can you speak on the lost art of digging? Is that something that you still do? Sure. Uh, you mean actually digging vinyl, right? Yes, digging vinyl. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, I don't even know if it, I would call it the lost art. To me, digging and finding new samples that nobody's ever found, and the best way to do that is going off the internet. Right. That's basically the nucleus of what I do. That's the basis. Ba like that to me, like, like I, yeah, I make beats. Yes, I produce. But loop digging and finding samples is my favorite part of this. Mm -hmm. The reason that I do this, because, like, like, I didn't even realize this at first, right? Like I said, it was just a hobby. But when I right. realized, wait, I can make a career out of smoking weed and listening to records all <laughs> Man, man, hip-hop boy, I tell you, man, has provided so much for many. Listen, man, it's not to say that it's like a lazy job. Like, you know, it's just I just have to focus and let my ear guide me. But yeah. what, what, what you're doing is you're providing a special frequency for the people. If you know, if if you really want to dig deep into it, you know, and it seems that the frequency is a uniting one because it's obviously bringing, you know, the masses together to find out who you are today. 
Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, man, I'm just giving props where it's due. You feel what I'm saying? And I'm not being biased either, family. Thank you, man. And I got to shout out you. I got to shout out Jazz, Rock, Stove, whole Pimpire, man. We got we got some good shit cooking. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, matter of fact, let's get back to, to you know, the sampling. What's your feelings on uh, sample snitching? You know, I, I see you on the timeline talk sometimes and, you know, I hear people echo what Primo, you know, has said, you know, more than 20 years ago, you know, on a record about sample snitching. What are your personal feelings about that? I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. It's not like, it's not like, you know, it's like Rock said, even when they asked him in the interview, it's not, I don't think anybody's doing it like out of evil or out of like malevolence. Right. They're, they're just curious. But it's just like, it just demonstrates a certain like, lack of understanding mm -hmm. what it is that's going on because to me like if you like really want to break down art and shit you know everything is basically like stealing right okay like you know different ways different forms but at the end of the day like nothing's new right yeah speak on if we if we just agree on that and we start from there then like, you know i all my credit as composer whatever sample i use yes if we start from there then it's like let's compare it to like let's compare it let's go property legality and permission let's right? go all right what i'm doing is basically what a graffiti artist is doing mm -hmm. like will you snitch on a graffiti artist because he painted something on a wall that he doesn't own speak on it bro and like, you know, like, and cause at this point it's like, you're not going to say that, oh, I'm, I'm, we're not talking about like me taking creativity from somebody else. Let's say I, you know, it's my own creativity. Right. Exactly. Cause I've said this to people and they're like, oh yeah, but he's using a blank wall in a sample. It's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking right. about reality. You're snitching. <laughs> like, like, that. like. I'm using something something that's somebody else's property without asking. The graffiti artist is using somebody else's property without exactly, asking. Exactly, because he was using that as inspiration. And this is hip hop. Like, exactly. Not a graffiti artist in the world who thinks sample snitching, like a, a real graffiti artist is worth his salt, you know? Facts. Sample snitching is acceptable, right? Right. If I'm wrong, I would love to talk with that artist. <laughs> that All right, well, let's. Let's, you know, jump here because, you know, I was doing the knowledge to your background and, you know, I understand Quebec, you know, uh, has a strong fear for having its French culture being wiped out. Can you expound on the anti-English laws and with those laws, I assume it's had an effect on the hip hop scene as well in Quebec, correct? Whatever people want to say politically or whatever, one thing that is undeniable is that it stunts the growth of culture, of artistic cultures such as hip hop. Mm -hmm. And any culture that comes from, any artistic culture that comes from the States, England, any place in England. And wow. it's based out of fear. I think it's not like whatever was useful in whatever era, it's not useful now. It might. Right. Okay. I, I think that, you know, they've been hammering it in it for so long that I don't think there's any way the French are going to leave Quebec. Wow. Most people in Quebec disagree with me. They, most people would think, no, you need to protect it. Me, it's like, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where, where I come from. I love my people. I love, you know, my, my community, my, like, the society I'm from. Like, it's a, like Quebec's a cool place. Like, it's Understood, cool, yes. Right? But at the end of the day, I think that all those, uh, you know, kind of uh, archaic all, way of thinking. The what? Archaic way of thinking. Thank you. Yes, oh. does not serve us at all anymore, and especially for somebody in hip hop, because to me it's like this, right? Toronto's six million people metropolitan area, mm -hmm. right? Montreal's four million people metropolitan area. Mm. We don't have a Drake. We don't have a party next door. We don't have a. Um, Hi, um, a weekend. We don't have a, you know. Well, even a cardinal official. Cardinal official. We don't have a, who's the Tory Lanes, right? What do we have? 
only producers, mm -hmm. only people that don't employ. Hmm. So me, A Track, High Classified, uh, K Trinata, right? yeah. Tommy Cruz, all these dudes that like you know did their things in the states. Only people that really can transition like that are producers. Well, producers, I know, I see. Oh, it all up because logically, no loss. Of, there's no lack of talent here. I I would argue that we are remote, more artistic city than Toronto. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. It is what it is. I don't have these artists because mm -hmm. on those laws for sure. Do you ever find yourself leaving Quebec? Uh, if I wouldn't leave Quebec to go somewhere else in Canada, I would leave Quebec to go to the States, maybe go somewhere else. But like, like at the end of the day, English is a second language. Right. Like other tongue is French, right? I speak in French. I think in French. Mm. So at the end of the day, like, I'm just comfy here. Right. Right. It's like, it's like, it's the people who speak how I speak. You know, I speak like a little bit of French too. Like my proper, I guess. My French is like people who meet me in French and under meet me in English and understand French. When they hear my French, they're surprised. <laughs> well, that's what's up, man. I mean, you're you're a man of many talents, correct? And you know, within uh, this hip hop culture, you know, that's one thing we value is the word culture. And you know, in, in the nation, you know, the five percent nation, you know, the culture is your way of life, which brings forth your freedom, you know, mentally and physically. You feel what I'm saying? So I, I totally get what you're saying where you, you know, you're comfy at home. All right, so uh, I, I, I myself leaving one day though. I okay. do, I do. No doubt, no doubt. You know, as a producer in this culture, who are some of your favorites and why? Uh, we're talking, that's a long list, man. We're talking about right now? Well, let's go top, let's go your top five for right now. And it doesn't have to necessarily be in any order. Damn, that's hard. I can't really give you a top five. Okay. I can tell you that probably the people that influenced me the most beat making wise, Rock. Mm, I already know that. Fahim. Yes. Okay. One of the greatest of all time. Yeah, we're going to talk about Fahim. Definitely. Like to me, he's like objectively, you should, if everybody heard everything I heard, he should be in everybody's top 10 right now, top five at least. Producer, like, he's unbelievable, man. Okay. Rock and Fahim are probably, like, my most influential people right now. But then uh, Derringer. Yes. Uh, Camouflage Monk from, from Forever. Um, Ka. Big Ka produces his own. Yeah, Ka produces, yeah, no doubt. Animas. Yes. Uh, Choop. Big fan of Choop, even though, like, I don't really make the type of beats he makes, but mm -hmm. I just love his beats, and they just, I get influenced by just the energy of the beats. And, yeah, I'm missing, you know, August Fanon, Sadu Gold. Yeah, Sadu. Yeah, Sadu is mad. Yeah, yeah me and him were building um in the DM a couple of weeks ago. That That's the that's the homie, man. I, I love Sadu. He, he, his mind is definitely out there, bro. An independent thinker, if there was ever one. Yes, big time, big time. Big time. So, uh, you know, let's talk about a couple of those names you mentioned because I want to speak on collaborative art forms and the marriage that has brought Craven and Ransom. It started at the top of 2020 with Director's Cut. So how did the two, you know, the both of you align with each other? Basically, I put out Valentia Rizzo with Ido. Yes. Ido, shout out to Rochester. Um... Ran heard that. Ran hit me up. Mm. Ran was like, yo, I'm tired, but your shit is fire. Send me <laughs> this is like, you know, November 2018. Right. So send some shit back and forth. Never I never get him to rap on something. So fast forward to March 2019. I hit him up. I said, listen, man, how much reverse? Mm. And he gives me a beautiful price and i said you know that's not even a thought it sends me back the reaper's hood so the reaper's hood becomes our first single in 2019 mm -hmm. and I, I i can't speak for the man but i think he really enjoyed the reception that song got oh man yes so from there on he was like all right let's see what else we could do let's try to put something together so summer 2019 i had 
what would become the like you know i had basically the scraps the like the director's cut before it was director's cut before like, it was director's cut yeah basically a lot of stuff that ended up on deleted scenes man it's a phenomenal phenomenal man phenomenal series man thank you thank you man but i had those playing in my in my headphones like summer 2019 just waiting for him to make the move and then by the end of the year, we, he basically scrapped all those songs. Said, you know, let's start it. Let's let's get some new stuff going. So, by like, I think the only thing we kept was based on a true story and the first verse of Pulp Fiction. Mm. Everything else, I think, was done like top of 2020, yeah, fresh 2019, and then like three months later, he's like, you know, all right, March 9th, boom. Yeah, man. Uh, not to say that, you know, our brother Ransom never had a battery in his back, but, man, you you, you woke up a sleeping giant, bro. I, like you said, man, I found a frequency for him, man, that he really liked. Yeah, big time, big time. And um, so let's talk about this other MC who you speak, you know, fondly of. The first American MC that you worked with was, you know, the God Fahim. Correct. You know, you care to talk about your chemistry and how it led to your old Drew and the mysterious Makami. I think Bob, because I, I discovered, like I knew about, you know, just to give, just to give a little more backstory. I knew Let's about go. from like, think differently, anarchy, that shit, right? Yes. Um, I, I like, I remember rock. I, and like, if rock hears this, like, you know, it's like, I mean, no disrespect in any way, which way, form, nothing. But I find back then, Rock's versus, like, the pen game was always crazy. But it's like, because the drums back then in the early 2000s were so loud and the beats were so, like, much faster, you know, mm -hmm. 90 BPM around there. Right. I found that Rock would, like, his voice wouldn't come out as well as it would in 2010. Okay. I thought I found that rock early on. It's like he was fighting with the drums. Mm. He was fighting with the drums to like be heard over the drums kind of. And when I heard him, in, I think I heard him. I think the first thing I heard from like the, the comeback was uh, 76. <laughs> when six, I was like, oh shit, he's back. And like, now it's like, sounds amazing he sounds perfect now and like i remember i heard 76 and like it kind of slipped my mind and i didn't go back to it for, for a minute but then i forget what it was but i i, I stumbled upon marsburg and like okay I, I think it was actually maybe i think actually the first thing i might have seen was marcy buku okay 2014 man bites dog records yeah my man bites dog killed that album man that shit was crazy yeah, man, that, that's good memories. I remember when we were preparing for that album, but uh, you know, the gift that was given before Marcy Boku was the Pimpire Strikes Back. Mm, that came yeah. out. That that was actually a mixtape that was dropped before Marcy Boku, mm. and that was something that was uh, you know just given. He was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna let the people play with it, and um, you know, just just to highlight one story about that actual mixtape. You know, when it dropped, you know, uh, Quest Love was, you know, we dropped it on Bandcamp. Quest Love, of course, have this, you know, huge love for Rock Marcian. You know, you know how Bandcamp is where they let you, you know, donate whatever amount, you know, is necessary that they feel the, the artist deserves, so on and so forth. You know, well, on that particular mixtape, you know, Mr. Quest Love dropped the cool 500 just to hear those verses you know i still got a couple of those cds in my you know in, in my suitcase because you know we had an actual like a little assembly line putting them things together no way he dropped oh, yeah man. man yeah that's crazy that's beautiful yeah, yeah. so man. um you, so you're so you're uh so you're saying yeah you know your relationship with fahim how did so you know how did that lead to you know your droog of course and then you know, we're talking about the mysterious Makami, you know, and of course you're wearing Pray for Haiti. I see see that on the um on the hoodie right there, you know what I mean? So 
Uh, how did that all come together? Were you down with a lot of any of the Dump God series, or you was just more so in the cut? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I like when I discovered rock. That what I what I wanted to get to was just that like I heard the new sound for the first time. I heard right. the drumless joints. I heard like okay, we're actually like we're not even putting drum packs on beats anymore. We're actually just like finding samples that are so crazy mm -hmm. that we're just letting them ride out and we're just giving you the craziest bars on them. And after I found that, like to me, like I wanted to do that when I heard the rock shit. So then from there, I found Hus Kingpin. Hus Kingpin made, made me discover uh, West Side Gun and Makami. And when I was just becoming like a West Side Gun Griselda fan and everything, I just basically, I was hitting up everybody. I was just <laughs> hitting up everybody to work. And I found Fahim when, I, when he put out the tape Black Pearl with Camouflage Monk. Right. And this was 2014. Mm -hmm. And that tape had a song on it. The first song It's called Pray For Me. Mm -hmm. And that's the only joint that Fahim actually produced on the tape. Oh, wow. That's probably still my favorite Fahim beat because it's like mm -hmm. a straight drumless joint. But like... I don't know. To me, it's like one of the best drumless beats ever, honestly. So it's like when I heard that and I was like, okay, there's like even more people that are catching on to this. So when I hit up Fahim, hit up, same thing as everybody else, I sent him a pack. And, you know, he basically told me, oh, the shit is fire, you know. Mm -hmm. I know if you got some other shit, whenever, whatever, you know, nothing yeah. really came of it. Mm -hmm. But somehow, like, that, this is like now, like we're talking about when I'm like talking to him and sending him the beats. This is actually 2015. Okay. And I decided I'm going to make the right beat for him. So I just started really focusing on one beat that I was going to make for Fahim, listening to all the Fahim shit I could, really trying to just figure out the style and the beat that would make him, cl make him click. Mm -hmm. And I remember, and this is not to make the story mad long and shit, but Sean died that, that year while I was making that beat, right? Long live Sean Price, man. One of my fucking yeah. favorites since a child. Like since yeah. since like since I got into this hip hop shit, like I remember buying monkey bars like two thousand six or something. Like no doubt. Yeah, that was like that was one of the biggest like that was one of the probably one of the deaths in hip hop that hurt me the most ever. And Yeah, that's still that's still uh that still affects me to this day as well, man. Peace to my brother Sean Price, man. D For real, man. D to death, man. But fucking I was listening to songs in the key of price because that had just come out. Yes. And I remember I was listening to it and I was running back every song, every song, every song. And I was like, in, I was in Cape Cod on the beach listening to it, like watching the sunset smoking. Like I was in a vibe okay. like by myself on the beach. Like, and right when the tape finished, the beat that I was working on for Fahim came on. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's what I got to do. I clicked. I was like, okay, wait, this is what's missing. This is what I have to do. So as soon as I got back from that trip, fixed the beat up, sent it to Fahim. Ten hours later, I get the song Nosferatu back. Wow. Yeah. Ten hours. Yeah. He received it, wrote it, recorded, mixed it, sent it back. Yeah, man. I, I, I remember uh, when he was down with, you know, the Griselda at one point. Now, I, I'm, I don't want to get the, the name of the album wrong, but uh, I think it was the Dreams of Medina. It was like one of these, mm. one of these rare joints that he, you know, he would, he released. And if you wanted it, you had to purchase it via DM from him. You know what I'm saying? And those were right. the early days of Dropbox and things of that nature. So I, I already knew where he was, uh, you know, going it so far as with his journey. You know what I'm saying? He's still definitely, you know, laying down the groundwork. But um, I want to talk about this, this actual next quote. Recently, you know, like how we do on Twitter. You know, you stated, some people like to credit Mad Lib, Dilla, Doom, RZA, and Alchemist, you know, for the new sound, but not Marcy. Rock popularized the sound. He took it away from the backpackers, made it cool, and now it's on major label commercial releases. Now, this pertains to the conversation amongst many um, about Drake's CLB. Correct. So care to explain your point of view a little further on that, you know, because I know how nuance and things get mixed up on social, uh, you know, social media. So I figured this would be a great time for you to, you know, 
expound on it and clarify a little bit more. Well, basically, like, the only thing I would correct in there is, like, people were thinking I was saying that when the backpackers were doing it, it wasn't cool. I wasn't saying that. I was just saying that, like, rock made it cool for everybody. For right. everybody who would hear it, right? You know, you got, you know, old ASAP Rocky joints that do the rock sound. Anyways, the what I really mean about that, like, people people will always say, like, oh, there's been drumless beats in hip-hop for hip for all hip hop. When you think about it, the first beats were drumless beats. It was a record, you know, just two turntables with the same record and you're just looping it. So you're not adding drums, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the nucleus is drumless, even though it, even when people say drumless, there's always drums in the beat. Exactly. There's always drums. Don't hear it. <laughs> it's, it, even if they hear it, it's like, even when it was it's like low. a break beat, yes. like that they were just looping, like that's still a drumless beat for me. Cause I'm just talking about no program drums. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, there's always been drumless beats. You know, you got Please Listen to My Demo. You got, uh, nice. you know, um, there's a joint on uh, the second Common album. It's called, like, Hunger or something. Mm -hmm. I forgot the name of the joint or Food or something. There's a drumless joint No ID did on there. You know, you got Hollow Bones. You got tons of shit on the Bobby Digital Records. You got Dear yes. uh, Summer by Jay-Z. So there's all these joints that I would, like, I used to love those joints. Those are the joints somehow that, like, would get me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember my favorite Lil Wayne song was Lil Wayne rapping on the Dear Summer beat. OK. So when I heard Rock do it, because even mm -hmm. as a producer, sometimes I would find a sample and be like, I don't want to add drums on this. But I know that if I don't do it, nobody's going to want to rap on it. Or I've tried this before. I'll put it on and they'll, they'll lose the beat because they don't have a strong metronome keeping them there. Like and they can't hear themselves like over the like. They can't hear the beat over themselves rapping or whatever. Hey, I feel you. Right? So it's like people wouldn't even know how to do it. So that's the thing. Like when I heard Rock make Marsberg the whole album, that was the first time somebody did that. And if you're really like into hip hop like that, it's undeniable. True. Like nobody did that. Because like, yeah, there's the old tracks that didn't have drums, but those were like, those you heard the drums. The mm -hmm. new ones, you don't really hear the drums as much. Marsberg, you did. The drums were pretty loud. But it was all in the sample. Everything sounded organic, sounded dusty, sounded crazy. All the samples you never heard before. Right. Like, I don't. I don't like. I, I like. I'm a. I dig. I dig nonstop. When I heard Marsberg, I didn't know a single sample off that album. That's crazy. You know what I mean? So that's it's crazy. like that's the type of shit that I guess the average listener he never recognizes any samples. So like you could sample, you know, a. Uh, Jackson 5 song and he wouldn't even find it, you know? So it's like that all together to me is just like, if you know these things and you're really of that, you know, ilk, yes. Marciano's undeniably the first person to make an album and then a career out of that sound. Facts, facts on facts. So, you know, while we talking about rock, you know, what were you envisioning when it came to the general's heart? <laughs> That, that, let me finish, because that one touches me different, bro. Especially when it's done live. Like, we just recently did that shit at Sony Hall. And when I sent you the video, bro, like, yeah, it, it just brought chills within the building. So I, I just want to know, like, you know, you were my, the, the reverence you speak about rock, you know, how does it feel to, you know, how does it feel to now... You know, you got one of the greatest, you know, on one of your soundscapes, you know, on a couple of your soundscapes. Well, yeah, at first it was like, you know, all right, you know, 100% check, you know, done, perfect, yes. accomplished. Right. It's like, and now it's just like, at this point, it's just like, all right, well, this just shows me that the next step is open. The door's open now. Indeed. Like, the, the, like I've accomplished artistically what I set out to do. In a short you know? time. You're 27, bro. I know, man. If I'm correct, right? 28 now. 28 now? You yeah, still got you, man. You still got so much ahead of you, bro. And you know, with this uh, invisible renaissance, as my brother Sunis the God would say, Shout you know, you you are definitely you know <laughs> part of that. You know what I'm saying? And you know, let's 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 go on to the next one because you know the big day 924 is about to pop up. You know what I'm saying? HWA with Westside Gun. You know, shout out to my peeps. I see my, you know, my usual suspects in the cut from, you know, Mad Lib to, you know, Alchemist, Derringer, Sadu. But 
you know, I'm super excited for Sovereign, but also you. So did you have any idea that you were going to make part two? And how did that come to fruition? I got, uh, what was it? When we put out that, that when did when did the announcement come out? Yesterday or before? The, before the yesterday? announcement dropped probably like maybe two, three days ago. And then yeah. everybody was just like going nuts. Like an hour before the announcement. Oh, wow. I just got a, I just got a Twitter DM from Wes. Mm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> That's it. Really. That's it. Yeah, man. It's a, uh, it's, I, it's a, uh, I'm not sure exactly. Well, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into it. I want to, I want to get the sauce out there. The 24th. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But you know, I got, I got, I got some guardian angels out there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. do. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, a kid from Montreal, Canada to having your name associated with some of hip hop's finest from Mount Marcy, pray for Haiti. Now HWA plus much more, you know, what else can we expect from Nicholas Craven, man? I got Craven N3 coming. I got a, I got a nice lineup on this one. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Okay. I got another, another series I'm going to start too. I'm going to announce it here first, basically. Uh, oh, okay. Craven. We're getting exclusive here on Chopping It Up? Yeah, I, I hadn't announced it yet. And, wow. Uh, okay, since, drop you know, it, man. Drop it. I didn't even think about talking about this, but, you know, whatever. So I'll just, I'll break it. Um, okay. Craven Incorporated is going to be coming out soon after. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, so that's a new series, basically. Because okay. right. Craven N, every album has a different lineup, right? Mm -hmm. So Craven Inc., that's going to be just like, you know, I'm just fucking with, you know, the family. Okay, that's what it is. That's what it is. So, you know, if you ever feel like sending an early copy, you know, I told people I love listening to unreleased music because I usually get a lot. You know, just send a DM over, bro. You already know what it is. I got you, man. All and right, that's apart from that, though, we got uh, me and Ran, of course. Yes. We got we got. Oof. If I could play you the the shit I got on my fucking iTunes right now, bro. There's so many conversations that I have, you know, amongst a couple of you know our peers with you know music that is just sitting on, just sitting on still, man. There's there's a lot of beautiful things coming <laughs> coming to fruition. We just need the people to be patient. Yeah, and you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna announce this too because uh, everything's been set up and it's uh, it's almost good to go, I think. Okay. But me and Rock are gonna be dropping a, a single in October. <laughs> hey, hey, Big Brother Jazz was letting them know in the comments too. You know what I'm saying? The Pimpire, the illustrious Pimpire, we always cooking, man. Always. Got cooking. We got something really nice, really nice, a nice yes. follow up to General's heart. Oh, big follow-up. Well, that's, you know, we all, you know, they needed to hear, and, you know, now that it's out there, we can go ahead and let the, you know, the net run crazy with it, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Nicholas, man, I, I wanted to thank you for joining us um, on Chopping It Up, you know, with the Conduit this season, because, you know, the focus of this season, season three, was to, you know, the people behind the MC. And, you know, a lot of your soundscapes, you know, a lot of the music you've composed have you know, basically become a lot of our favorites, you know what I'm saying? So it was only right, you know, to speak to the people who, it's not necessarily say that's hot out there, you feel what I'm saying? My thing is that you are carrying on tradition um, in a beautiful manner, man, and I'm just, you know, I, I'm proud to say that, you know, of course you family because of the association through Pimpire, but, you know, more importantly, you know, you just, you're giving the people in Canada especially Montreal, Quebec, you letting them know what time it is that, hey, you can do whatever you like as long as, you know, it's something that you love. And, you know, you're a perfect shining example of that. And I, I wanted to thank you for joining us on Chopping It Up with the Conduit, man, for real. Thank you, man. That's it, though. I mean, usually my joints, you know, I run them anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes up until the hour. You know what I'm saying? I, I usually try to get into the meat of the, you know, the meat. With the, with the interviews with everybody you see me speak to from, you know, Pete Rock to Bumpy Knuckles to even our brother Rock Marciano, you know what I'm saying? I want to keep it informative, you know, get a couple of the backstories and you definitely gave us more than enough backstory. But, you know, I, I got a feeling we got a couple part, you know, a part two coming up very soon. You know, I, I know you definitely down. We just got to build out the time and the date. No doubt. If, if, you, if you'll permit me, though, I feel like, there's one question that you asked that I didn't completely answer, and I just okay. wanted to to give you a little bit more info. Okay, let's get back to it. 
So when you asked like about Fahim and how that led to Mock and Drew. Yes, Mark right? and Drew. Yes. I, I really only addressed the Fahim part and I just don't want to let you let, let that question hang because it's, it's this no a good question. Thank you for so, coming back to that. Uh, no doubt, man. But and good questions, by the way, too, man. Thank you, man. Thank like, you, man. And and, and and well brought, man. The energy is beautiful for real. Man, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm just I'm just trying to carry on tradition myself. You know what I'm saying? I have I have some dope counterparts out there who I, I, I look to as mentors and I study them, you know. Shout out to, to Sunez, shout out to my brother Raheem of Wise the Dome uh TV, um, Crate 808, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I can say. go on and on. Premium Pete, like there's people I study. Of course, the great Combat Jack. So I, I, Yo, I just, rest you know, in peace I, of combat, man. Yes, yeah, so I just want to make sure that I, I, I'm doing it in the right fashion, the right manner. And uh, so far now, we in season three, episode six with you. So I think I'm doing well so far. Nah, it's solid, man. It's super solid. Thank so, you. Yeah, basically what I was going to say is when, um, you know, the whatever happened between Mock and Fahim and Griselda happened that coincided with me and Fahim like like at the end of that year he put out uh, the Dark Shogun Saga volume one yes and I had two joints on there then he put out volume two and I had two joints on there and I think in 2017 like that year we put out like 40 songs mm. or something yeah so since he was so tied like tightly with Mock like there was that going on but also me and Mock had like talked because Mock was selling the HBO tape through his IG, and I copped one, of course. Like you I, know. I still got my, I still got mine on Dropbox too. Man, I never even burned the candle. I never, I never rolled the paper. I never mm. used one of the matches. Nothing. That shit is intact. Yeah, smelling beautiful. Classic. And when I bought that, like you know, I, I, I feel like Mock already was kind of open to the idea of working because of he'd seen what I was doing with Fahim, right? Mm -hmm. Even though that's before uh, the 40 songs and everything. But right. through that, you know, through that year, I started just sending them beats. And, you know, it just happened very naturally. And when they brought Drew on, it was just the next logical step. After, I, after he heard Mozambique Drill, he hit me up and he just said, told me, hey, send me beats. And we started, we started going back and forth. <clears throat> and I got Drew on uh, Craven N3. Amongst yeah. others, and I'll, please, I'll drop that and one. These people, man, y'all give Drew his props. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can honestly say in the beginning when I think it was when we were first hearing the first inklings of Drew, it was uh, with Loose Pennies, I think. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I remember everybody just having this back and forth, or back and forth about quote unquote who he sounded like. I don't care about none of that shit, man. That boy is crazy with it. Y'all do the knowledge to your old Drew, man. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. That boy's sick with it. I'll say a funny story. Just, just last thing real quick. Yes. I was working in a warehouse back then, like mm -hmm. you know, shipping boxes and shit. And uh, my boss put me onto that Drew tape. And, you know, he was one of the people who thought that he was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I told him, nah, this is a new guy. This is something new. This is yeah. crazy. And he didn't believe me. So we had a bet. And I won the bet. And this is what I got. Oh, snap. This oh, oh, that's the classic Jordan shit. Yeah. Oh, man. People, I people won that laminate because I knew Drew was Drew. And now I'm working with the man. Man, that's a beautiful thing, man. I, I, and, and Drew, if you end up watching this on on Nicholas' side or on my side, since we do follow each other, you, you already know I've been trying to get at you, Drew. So get with the God. Let's, let's talk to the people. They they need to see what's up with you too. Maybe yeah, Nick, maybe Nicholas can put in a, a a good word in for me. Yeah, conduit is certified, man. Get on this shit. Nah, man, thank you very much, man. <laughs> Nicholas, man, uh, I want to thank you again, man, for the Sunday evening, this great interview. Uh, I, I, I'm speechless, bro. I'm just ready for more work. And, and of course, man, keep keep giving these people these this magic out here, bro, because it's definitely needed. Thank you, man. I'm All here. Right. I, I'm putting in, I'm trying to make 100 more beats before the end of September. Hey, uh, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to, uh, you know, inter interrupt while you cook, man. You go ahead and cook. I'm definitely here to support whatever you drop. And you already know, man, it's pimp pie to the death. 
Yeah, for real, man. Illustrious Pimpire for life, my G. Indeed. All right, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Salute, Nicholas, man. We'll build. All right, man. Peace. All right, my brother. Peace. All right, y'all. Episode six in the can with Montreal hip hop producer, sound editor, composer, Mr. Nicholas Craven of the illustrious Pimpire. Please, please, please note, know that. Do the knowledge. Um, my apologies if I didn't get to your questions because, you know, we, we try to keep this, I guess, so to speak, uh, I guess, in routine. So there's no diss to those who, who left questions in there. But um, I thank y'all for tuning in on this Sunday. Y'all could have been anywhere else, you know, but y'all decided to spend, you know, your hour with us. Again, we uh, season three. We're on all streaming platforms, uh, podcasts on Vivo by way of YouTube. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Audio Mac. You know, make sure you share, tell your friends to subscribe, rate. You know, we're already over at uh, 1,800 subscribers. We're constantly growing. You know, tell the people about us. We, we just about here trying to do some genuine things. Uh, again, this is Chopping It Up with the Conduit. Please uh, stay masked up. Uh, practice your social distancing. You know, check on your loved ones, but at the same time, make sure you love yourself and take care of yourself too. Until next time, I'll see y'all. Peace. I never dream a first name with fiends. They the five bank tellers the book of my life reads. Water fountain, no, now the money fountain close. Drake about a window, pre Mecca Malcolm on. Honda silver pot holes, no pot to pissing. Richard Porter abandoned if they got your pops in prison. Early morning samples, nigga, chop it up. Uncut or the scramble, nigga, chop it up. Got the line down the block, shorty, chop it up. Got a grind for the spot, shorty, clap it up. If you need a con, do it, come chop it up.